Welcome to Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is Dana Spiata. Dana is the author of five novels, and her most recent one, Wayward, was called by the New York Times a virtuosic, singular, and very funny portrait of a woman seeking sanity and purpose in a world gone mad. Dana's been a finalist for the National Book Award and the National Book Critics Circle Award, and the recipient of a Guggenheim Fellowship, the Rome Prize, the St. Francis College Literary Prize, and the John Updike Prize from American Academy of Arts and Letters. In today's conversation, we'll discuss the impact of gender and age on writing in terms of the types of topics covered, the depictions of female characters, and on creativity itself. So welcome to the show, Dana. Oh, thanks for having me, Nancy. So your first book, Lightning Field, was about the contradictions of contemporary lives in which identity is a collection of references. Then came Eat the Document about the culture and consequence of rebellion. Your third book was Stone Arabia about family, obsession, memory, and the urge to create, followed by Innocence and Others about aspiration, film, work, and love. And your most recent one, Wayward, is about a woman who at 52 is facing midlife questions about motherhood and mortality, and more broadly, the state of the nation in which she lives. Is there a common thread or theme that you find yourself exploring in your novels? That, um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think of it when I'm working, um, but then when I look at it, I can sort of see what people have noticed about it. And I guess... I am interested in this idea of identity and what constitutes identity, particularly um, the context of a life, right? Whether that could be a historical moment or, um, you know, everything from uh, geography to technology to, um, you know, social forces that shape who you are. I'm always interested in seeing characters in specific contexts. Even if I'm writing about the past, I'm still kind of talking about uh, how that affects also the present. So it, that that seems to be uh, um, where I often land. And and I'm guessing too that your characters undergo certain changes um, throughout the book because obviously that's the best way to do the writing. But um, do you do you feel like those changes are are some that they are brought to by the circumstances or are they some that they generate on their own? Well, I think, um, you know, I think classically in fiction, uh, you know, uh, incident comes out of character as Ian Forrester says, right? And then having acted, that consequence creates, um, you know, more incident and more, and, and changes the character, right? So I, I think that tends to be true, but I guess what I think about is sort of, uh, I'm interested in these moments um, where characters are trying to see themselves clearly, that kind of self-reflexive moment um, and how difficult that is. And then what you do with that, that question of, I mean, it really it's questions more than answers, right? What do you do when you realize that your life is maybe on the wrong track or that you've made some terrible mistakes? So I think I'm interested in that drama of making mistakes and consequence, but I'm also interested in sort of what you do with that you know, that self-realization um, and the kind of moral implications of that. Um, and I find it very often, it seems in my, in my books, the characters um, make mistakes and they try to do better and they don't quite succeed. But there's something very moving to me about sort of just trying to see yourself clearly, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah. And, and it is hard to, to really see yourself because we're already looking at it through a, a lens of what we think we are or who we think we are. And right. sometimes it's easier when we look back five years, 10 years at the person we were back then rather than right in the moment because we are experiencing in the moment, you know, so it's, it, it is tricky. And, and, and I, I, myself, I'm drawn to those kind of novels because the older you get, the more things you, you experience, the more things happen to you. And, um, you know, seeing just how you, how you respond and how much of that is how you would have responded 10 years ago and how much is based on what you've learned since then. So it's, it's, um, it's always an interesting thing. I think we learn a lot by reading about what other characters do. I agree with you, Nancy. And I also think that as we get older, and I think one thing why I'm very interested in that middle age period is because um, we're, we become more invested in the status quo. We become more sort of complicit in our own um, in, in what we've built up over a lifetime and it becomes harder. I think it's much easier to question things when you're very young and you have less to lose. And then when you're older and you're maybe you're married or maybe you have kids or you have a certain amount of money or some comfort and that you've accumulated, it's much harder to, to change. Uh, there's more self to kind of interrogate. And so, um, so it's very compelling to me when people do sort of uh, make dramatic moves in midlife, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a bigger risk, I think. And, and, you know, that brings me to my next question, which is, you know, if you don't mind my saying, so you're at the midlife stage yourself. And has that changed what you write about or how you depict the women in your novels? Uh, yes, I mean, I, I think for a writer, being middle age is a really great place to be, because uh, when I was younger, I kind of thought, you just were the age you were, right? So you're 25 year old and you're writing about being 25. And what I realized as I've gotten older as a writer is I really can still inhabit a 17 year old and a 25 year old. Those are all still very present to me um, as my own experience, but also in terms of observation. And now I can also inhabit older characters as well. Um, and you realize that you, you um, that maybe is a form of wisdom, I don't know, where you just kind of realize that you can kind of see in both directions, uh, both being younger and being older, and that all those things are contained within you as you go forward. And that seems to be a great place to write from, because uh, I am still very interested in younger characters, but I feel more confident inhabiting also older characters, not just middle-aged characters, but in this book, The Elderly Mother, um, more confident than I would have when I was a younger writer, I would say, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like as if we get a storehouse of yeah. characters and understandings um, of characters at that age that we can draw on. And, and the thing is, too, the older we get, the more people we lose in our yes, lives. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's a lot more humility that comes in um, and, and also tenderness about um, these more. I mean, that's a big question of wayward is just how do you accommodate those mortal questions? You know, the first half of your life is very different than the second half of your life, right? There's going to be a lot more loss. And if you're very lucky, you'll experience a lot of loss. That's, you know, because you'll live a long time. And so, uh, and that's, of course, always the case that we know from the beginning that these things, that our lives are finite. But I think in middle ages, when that really starts to come home, when you lose your parents, 
when you start to sort of feel your body aging, that's when you start to understand how you must uh, accommodate where it all ends up, right? Uh, and you can't be as much in denial as when you're young, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think being young is a lot of denial. You know, <laughs> we, we just don't, I don't, I don't know, our, our perception of what our life was going to be, uh, you know, can change dramatically as those years start coming on to us. Um, what impact has the aging experience had on you, not only as a mother and a daughter, but as a writer? For instance, do you ever look at those candles on your birthday cake and think, I should have accomplished more as a writer by this time? Uh, I used to more. I felt I was a slow starter, so I didn't publish my first book till I was 35. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, you know, I'm so behind. I can never catch up. And now, you know, it takes me five years to write a novel, no matter what it seems. Um, so I do feel kind of um, in a, I feel in a really good place in terms of, of I feel like I've done five of these. I know um, what I'm capable of. I know how it goes. So I can, I, I don't, I know that losing faith and, and feeling frustrated is part of the process and you get through that. Um, and I, I know that I can get through it. So that's great. And I still have things I'm really compelled by. So that's great. But I also have the sense now, um, that not that I'm behind, but that that won't last forever, that the energy of writing a novel of mount of, of, of entering into a five-year marriage with something that takes everything. Um, I don't know how long I'll have that. Right. And so I do feel, well, do I really want to waste time on Twitter or whatever, when I should be writing because this, this combination of capacity and energy and excitement um, is finite, right? Uh, you know, I, there are very few writers that write great work into their 80s, you know, and, um, and, and that expectation is unreasonable. So you figure how many years do I have left? Divide that by five. How many more books am I going to write? Uh, and then I just sort of think like, well, don't worry about that. Just worry, on, you know, because of course you want to live your life now um, and maybe, and then I always have this more humbling idea, which is um, I'm really into humility these days, <laughs> which is that, you know, the world doesn't need another book. So maybe, and I, and I think this is an appropriate thing to actually really engage. Maybe uh, that's the last book I'll write. Maybe I won't write another book because I only want to do it if it's it really needs to be written by me and needs maybe to be in the world in some way. Um, and, uh, and being honest about that too, you know? I know what you mean about not having enough time and, and, you know, because there is a writing life, there's our personal life, whatever obligations we have, there's what other jobs we have. I know I'm a full-time freelancer, so, you know, that's what pays the bill. So you do that. And then, you know, when you, when you mentioned Twitter and that there's the book marketing thing, which can just, I, I have yet to interview an author who enjoys the marketing process. They may like engaging with their fans and everything, but the back end of it is it's so time consuming and so draining. And you never know if you're making any difference, if it's doing what it needs to do. And you're thinking, I should be writing, but I really got to do this. And I really got to do that. It's, it's so challenging. I, I don't understand how those writers do it, who have such an active social media presence and churn out all those books and that it's, I can't do it. I, I'm, it's beyond me. I mean, I'm, you know, 
I guess. And, and it was interesting what you said too. Do, is there another book that you need to write? Because I think sometimes, especially maybe with fiction, it's not so much, does anybody need to read what I'm working on? And maybe it's more of, do I need to read this? Because we learn so much about, at least I do, when I'm writing fiction, I learned something about myself because generally the stories come out of something. They're triggered by something that we're dealing with, whether directly, indirectly, or had already dealt with. So it's almost like, you know, we almost have to write it to get it out. Yeah. I mean, I think there's questions that I have, you know, there's something, the way that I know that uh, a book uh, is, I'm going to end up writing uh, at least in the past five uh, experiences is that there's something that I can't figure out. There's something that's sort of coming back to me. I'm trying to put it away and it keeps coming back to me. And it's usually kind of questions. Something is compelling. It, maybe it's a character or an image or a situation, but I haven't figured it out and I'm writing to figure it out. And, uh, and I do think that, that in, in a personal way, writing is a way of being engaged that feels sustainable it feels important to me um, for my sanity, uh, just that kind of focus. And I think it is partially um, about having a, a deeper, more sustained engagement with something where so much, as you say, with book promotion, but just in general, our experiences are very horizontal and uh, you know, uh, quick and you're jumping from one thing to another and there's a lot of data and a lot of noise. And, um, and so, you know, writing a novel, just like reading a novel is a very different kind of engagement. It's more sustained, it's deeper, it's weirder, it's less uh, driven by kind of uh, reductive um, sort of received ideas. It's more challenging. So um, I find that with teaching as well, but, and certainly with reading, which is why I love reading, but, and, and also with writing. And I do think it enables you to have a kind of concentration that's, that um, is more and more important with the way that we live our lives online, especially uh, now after the pandemic where I feel that we're so much more online, um, that I need something to counter that just psychologically and emotionally and intellectually. And for me, writing and reading really does that. So it's just a kind of survival tool. So it may come a day where no one wants to read or publish my books anymore, but I may still write them because it's the only way to answer back or to have some sort of sanity um, or cohesiveness or depth. Mm -hmm. Do you have a hard time letting go of your characters after the book's done? No, no. Um, I usually find that the new book comes out almost as a reaction against the last book. Like, well, I'm done with all of that and I'm gonna do something totally different, which of course ends up being not that different. But um, I do really, um, so it's characters know, but sometimes obsessions in the book, you know, I, I tend to write about characters who are really, um, are, tend to be autodidacts who are obsessed with things. That just is another thing that just keeps coming up. And, uh, and so a lot of times the things that they, be, that they are engaged with that I necessarily become engaged with still lingers. So in case of Wayward, she's very interested in architecture and, um, you know, the, so that's still, um, especially this central New York architecture um, and the history of it and the history of the buildings, I still kind of 
uh, am in that mindset when I'm walking around the city and thinking about the city. So, uh, and every, and every city, I just feel more hyper aware. And in the past that was true with, you know, whatever I was writing about film or music and you kind of keep those obsessions with you, I think. Um, on the other hand, sometimes people will write you a letter about a book you wrote years ago and you'll realize that they're still into that, that thing that you wrote about, but you're, you're kind of done with it. Right. So there's, um, with Stone Arabia, there was a lot about indie bands and rock and roll and, and all of that. And now I kind of have this feeling like anytime someone sends me a book that has a band in it, I just kind of want to throw it across the room. <laughs> Not because, you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm just done with that. Yeah. You know, one, one of the things, because I write a lot of short stories and sometimes I will go back and I will read a short story that maybe I wrote 20 years ago and, and I'll read it and, and I can't, it's like, you can't believe you wrote it because I'm not that person anymore. I've, I've, whatever the story was about, whatever I, you know, whatever triggered it, it's like, okay, I've, I've gone past that or made it through that or whatever. So it's like, I'm, I'm reading it, not like, oh, this is something I wrote, but almost more like, oh, uh, gee, this was a good story. Although I would like to have fixed this now because, you know, right. who, could who could resist editing their work? I don't care how long it's been published, but it, it's, it's almost like it's hard to remember who I was at the time when I wrote that story. Is that anything like what you've experienced? Um, sometimes I look at my books and I think, and this is both in a positive and negative way, I think, well, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I could have been so into that that I would have spent five years on it and made this thing. So um, it, I do feel alienated from them. And I also don't like to go and read the old stuff that's already been published. I find that a little bit excruciating, partially for the reason that you say, which is that, um, that I, don't, I don't mind feeling that that was another person. That's kind of a cool idea that, that those obsessions are of the past, but, but um, just that there, I might find something I wanna change in a sentence. And that is really excruciating because I can't change it. And, and I shouldn't change it. It is the, the thing that I was writing at that time and, and, um, and, uh, and it, it exists, right? And you move on to the next thing. Um, I think I remember when Jonathan Franzen came to Syracuse and he was giving a talk and he said something about, he was talking about one of his books that he, you know, he said it was the best book I could write at that moment in my life. And I think, okay, that's a kind of liberating way to look at it. Or there's that old Randall Jarrell quote about how a, a novel is a long prose object with something wrong with it. And I'm misquoting him. Um, but I always like to think of that, 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 you know, it's, yeah, it, it's sort of built in that you're, you've taken risks and some things have not quite landed and they have flaws and, um, but that's also what makes them interesting because you wouldn't want to read a book that was, you know, just a plan that somebody executed without anybody taking a risk or trying to do something that they couldn't quite do. So, um, so, you know, I'm a pretty forgiving reader of other people's work in that sense, but of my own work, I, you know, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've had conversations with other guests about the categorizing of novels by women as women's fiction, while those written by men are simply categorized as fiction. Um, do you feel that the distinction that's based on the gender of the author 
does a disservice or maybe turns off, especially men from reading the book because of their perception of what women's fiction is? Uh, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, it, it's a weird thing, right? Because of, of all the arts, women have been making novels for a really long time, right? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, uh, you know, I don't think of Middlemarch as women's fiction. Um, so I think, you know, that we're in a better shape than other categories, maybe. Um, but I also think there's some other things that come in. I mean, and luckily also, I would say that most readers are women. I mean, most buyers of books are women, most book groups are women. So if you're going to be stuck with one gender, you want to be stuck with the women, I think. But, uh, but you know, I had, I had someone ask me about this book because this book has, um, you know, a very, is very direct about the character being, going through menopausal symptoms, right? Uh, a couple of, of men of a certain age have said to me, you know, oh, is this, should I read this? I mean, can I read this or would I want to read this? And I'm just thinking, come on, you know, I, aren't you curious about it? And I, you know, I've read Philip Roth. You can't read about menopause. Give me a break. Right. So, um, so there's a kind of silly, weird thing to say that, I mean, it's human subject matter should be, we should all be curious about that. You know, mm -hmm. um, do you identify yourself as a woman novelist or as a novelist? <laughs> Uh, the less identity attributes that can be attached to my, I kind of love that, you know, I wouldn't mind being Dee Spiota or something, or, you know, or even a, a, a pseudonym of some name, you know, some name that, that is totally, um, because the less preconceived ideas that the person brings to the work, the better the work stands on its own, I think, you know? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, one of the questions I like to, to ask people, because I think about this a lot for myself, is what have you learned about yourself in the course of writing your novels? Um, I mean, I think that I, those questions that we said earlier, just that, that I am very interested in. I think one thing I've learned is that um, people reveal themselves by what they love. And I think about that as a writer too, that sometimes rather than uh, when I'm trying to figure out who a character is, there's a couple of things that really lead me. One is how they sound, their voice. And I tend to kind of put their voice in motion first before I know what they look like and what their circumstances are. Very voice driven. And that can be an internal voice or a speaking voice if they're in conversation, in dialogue. And I'm very dialogue oriented in a lot of ways or, or speaking voice oriented. So that's one thing, but also when they're looking at the world, what are the things they notice? You know, what are the things that they love? What are the things they're obsessed with? And that reveals who they are. And I think that, that that's why I tend to write about characters who are kind of gripped by something. Um, and uh, whether it's in the past at like politics or music or uh, film or, a place or architecture, um, the things that their, their kind of obsessive nature reveals them in an interesting way to me and hearing them describe something that they love. And I think the more you look at something, the more interesting it becomes. And for myself, I love, I have these, um, you know, I'm, I have these obsessions myself and I really love to use character 
to, to kind of delve into and find out about the world. I have a lot of curiosity about the world. And so as a, it, for me, that really works. It's just kind of, oh, wow, I don't know anything about this, but it's really interesting. And what kind of character would be interested in this? And then, you know, and that particularity of the character versus the particularity of the subject and how they make this inter interesting synthesis through writing. Um, that definitely is, is something that I've learned about myself, that that's sort of how I like to discover the world via a character, I think. One of the things that, that looking back at, at the piece, some of the pieces that I've written is I, I realize I have a tendency, if there's something that I'm really afraid of, then I tend to make my, my, my characters experience it. Like years ago, long before either one of my parents were even ill and they, they both passed since then, I wrote about my parents dying, about one dying or the other one dying. And, and it was almost like as if the reality that this would happen at some point was so overwhelming to me that I had to approach it through fiction. All, I don't want to say I was practicing because there's no way you can practice for that emotional impact, but it, it was it was like you kept opening the door and looking in that black closet, but you're sending your character in ahead of you. Yeah. And you know, I is that anything similar to what maybe you've done with, with some of your characters? No, I think precisely. Um, you know, you it's on your it's in weighing on your soul. And um, I remember reading this interview with Joan Didion where she talked about how she when she had her daughter, uh, she was, uh, Quintana, she was so scared of, you know, having to keep her safe and to not lose her that she had, you know, she wrote, I forget the name of the novel where the daughter's missing. Um, she put it, her fear into the book. It animated the whole book because that, and I do think that that's definitely what happened with Wayward. You know, the, the character Sam, at one point, she finds out her mother is dying and she realizes she's just totally not prepared for that and that she has to rethink her whole life in order to accommodate this thing, which she should have seen coming, right? As her mother says, it was no secret that this is how it goes, right? Um, but she put it off dealing with it. And it, that was really me just trying to understand, you know, the second half of my life and the, the loss of the daughter, the fact that the daughter has this really scary secret, that the daughter is leaving her. All of those things were, were my own fears as well. And writing about it was a way to, to get, um, to face it, I think, to understand it better, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, you're also a, a professor at Syracuse University. Has teaching helped you as a writer? Uh, very much. So I teach in the creative writing program, and uh, it's but it's both an MFA program that is very uh, successful. The students do really well. Get, we get amazing students um, uh, that are very challenging and, um, and exciting. And it does kind of keep you on your toes, uh, you know, as a reader and having great conversations about books and fiction. Uh, and you kind of get what the, you know, the, the up and coming um, generation is really interested in. And, and that's been um, great. And then the undergrads, um, it's, a, you know, it's slightly different. Uh, they're just a bit more, um, they, they're, they're less accomplished and they're more open. And that's exciting too. 
um, just that you can kind of make them into really good readers, even if they might not never be, may, they may never be a writer, or maybe they will be a writer, but it's still, it's not quite the same as the grad students. And in both cases, they take, it takes a lot of energy intellectually and emotionally and time. And those are all precious commodities for a writer. But on the other hand, um, I think, you know, as a way, it gives me, I think, quite a bit of um, community and um, of you know being surrounded by people who really care about the same things I do. And that sort of seems really worth whatever time you put in because uh, you just need to have other people who care about the writing the way that you do. And so when you meet a young person who's really smart and has tons of potential, or not a young person, just a person who is starting out, um, who has tons of potential and is just so excited and you see them you know, making a breakthrough and it, it, it's very hard for that not to get you excited about writing and its potential. Um, so, um, and also when you're around everybody who's working and you're in a spot where you're not working, you kind of feel like a little bit of pressure to get back to work. And that's good too. That's what community is helpful for. That's kind of literary communities, you know, cause it is kind of isolated work otherwise, you know. Do you belong to any writing groups or, or you know, where you share your works, anything like that? No, I mean, I don't need to because the, basically the creative writing program is my, you know, the other faculty and my students and my grad, graduate, it's a, ends up being a big group of people that, you know, I share work with and uh, stay in touch with and we help each other. And it's really quite, I feel very, very lucky because it's an amazing, uh, you know, collection of artists really that I get to, to that's ever expanding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Wayward came out, that's your most recent book, right? So it came out um, just last year, right? Right, while we were dealing with, the, still with the pandemic. Um, how, how were you able to promote it? <laughs> do, do you normally do, pre-pandemic, did you normally do a lot of in-person events or even then were you more virtual? Oh no, it was all before the pandemic. There was usually a book tour uh, you know, where you do events on each coast and then, um, and then it would always like more events would trickle in as the book, you know, it always starts out seeming like it's going to be over in two weeks. And then if it goes well, you get more things tacked on. Um, but it was involved a lot of traveling and, you know, um, and, uh, and, and festivals and stuff like that. Uh, and that was fun. Uh, and this time was totally different. I did all the summer, I did a lot of virtual events. And what's great about the virtual events is, of course, people can participate from all over and you get someone in conversation with you and they can be in a different city. They don't have to fly in. Uh, so that was great. Um, and the chat, I kind of like the chats. But the bad thing is then you don't get to sort of have that moment with people where you sign the book and you kind of connect with them personally. And so sometimes I would see, I wouldn't be able to see the audience. And then uh, also you can't hear them laugh. And there's a lot of jokes in the book um, and you can't see them, their faces. You don't know whether they're asleep or not. And, <laughs> and so I missed that a lot. And so I did some in the fall before things got bad again, I did some in-person events and it felt so great to just sort of see people and connect with them and sign books. And um, so, you know, I think the hybrid of both is going to be a good way to go forward um, where you're connecting with booksellers and you're connecting with readers, um, but also people can zoom in if they're not in town. So I hope that we get to have both. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I really enjoyed the 
energy of it and, you know, being, being in person, you know, talking to people and that. And then when the pandemic hit, my last book came out May of 2020. So, you know, you had all these wow. plans. We all know what happened, all those plans. Yeah, and that's rough. I was never one for the whole virtual thing. I mean, even this podcast only came about because of the pandemic. And I thought, well, I can't be the only person who's not doing anything. So let's, you know, let's start this. But it, it is, it's nice to be in the same room with the people, you know, physically in the room and feel, feel their energy and see their responses. And, you know, it, it's, it's probably safer to do virtual, but it's not near as much fun, right? Right. So right. what is your next project since you're looking at a five-year, how much time do you take in between novels? Um, I usually take about a year in between. So um, I do have a new book. I'm also working on an opera, uh, writing a libretto for an opera with two collaborators that uh, takes place on, you know, um, on the new, new, Newtown Creek uh, in New York City. Uh, it's kind of an environmental opera. So that's really been challenging. So I'm working on that. And then I'll go kind of explore this novel I've been thinking about. So it's kind of good, I think, to put it off for me and do other projects, nonfiction, do short story, whatever, um, in between. And I don't really like to dive into the novel till I'm really ready to uh, make that the only thing. So um, I tend to be that immersive um, in my work. So that's where I'm at. I'm about to, to be immersed after I finish this opera. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, this is a question I always like to ask at the end of the interview. How do you define success as a writer? What makes you feel successful? Um, you know, I, I talk about this with my students too. I think it's very important to define it in terms of being an artist. Are you doing work that you think is interesting to you and uh, compelling to you and exciting to you? Because that's all you can control. You can't control the reception of the work um, and if your happiness depends and success depends on other people's reception or sales or something like that, or book deals or fame or any of that, you're going to be a miserable, bitter person. And I think you really need to kind of think of your own project and what your ambition is as an artist. Um, and so trying to keep focus on that. And then beyond that, of course, we all want to be read by other people. I think when other writers um, or readers who are big readers you know, respond and send you an, a, a note or tell you something specific about the book that always feels like a huge deal to me that you've connected with somebody, especially someone you don't know. And they say, here's this thing that's rang true to me or this spoke to me or this, I connected with this. That's always, um, you know, very um, gratifying. Yeah, because I, I think that is, you know, we write to understand things for ourselves, but then we know we can't be the only person who was experiencing those emotions or the emotions that their characters are going through. So it's, it's so good when somebody said I could relate to that, you know, that's exactly how I feel felt or that helped me when I was going through something similar, you know, then, then we kind of know, okay, we got it that time, you know, we did it. And I always try to encourage people, write those reviews, you know, let, let the author know what made the difference because every time it's, it's something else, you know, and, and I think sometimes it's not even the point we were trying to make in the book 
that most resonated with the reader. It might be something else, might be a secondary character. And the reader said, oh, you know, this helped me understand something or this, this helped me work through something. So, you know, that's, it's making that connection. I mean, isn't that why we're writers in the first place, you know, to, to make that connection out. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciated having you on the show. Um, this, this was so interesting to talk about so many different things and I wish you continued success, especially with your next book, I suppose in, let's see, what would it be? 2027. If you follow your five-year track. Well, no, already the clock's running. So it would be uh, 26. Yeah. 26. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then we will definitely have to keep an eye out for that. But thanks so <laughs> much for being on the show. Thanks, Nancy. I really enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate your invitation to be on the show. Oh, no problem. And thanks to everybody who joined us here at Living the Writing Life.